I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, I hope that you are having a productive, good Lent so far. Uh, If you're anything like me, you've got a couple of days into your Lenten observance, whatever that thing is that you decided to to give up, and you're finding it just a little bit difficult, right? Uh, I I myself have given up, uh, not Facebook, because I do a lot of my business on Facebook, uh, but I have given up Facebook and social media and games and any other time wasters on the phone. Right, I have all these things loaded onto my phone, and I use it uh, when I sit down and when there's a free moment, and when I get, you know, if there's a moment between things, I'll pull out the phone, I'll look at Facebook, I'll look at Twitter or Instagram or uh, whatever little trinket uh, app is the the brand new game app that's out there that really doesn't have any productive purpose whatsoever. I've got that on the phone, and and that takes up a lot of time. And so I I started out saying, well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna get rid of all of these things. And of course, uh, on Thursday, <laughs> uh, one day, one one day into Lent, right? On Thursday, we um, had to take the kids to the doctors, and we had to take all of the kids to the doctors for a, a specific meeting this morning, and um, and it was hard because they it took them a long time. I think we were in the waiting room for. Uh, maybe an hour and a half with uh, with six kids. It was fun. Uh, and the kids were fine because they had the Disney Channel on. And I'm sitting here thinking, what do I do? What do I do? I, I don't have any of these things on my phone and I'm not really engaged or interacting with them because they're they're watching they're watching the Disney Channel and some some television show about superhero children. And uh, so what do I do? I I took Facebook off my phone, but I still have a browser. Right. So one day, one day into that Lenten fast, and I did not do so well. I uh, spent a little bit of time on Facebook from the phone, but that no more. Right. We're going to put that away. And here's what I have found by doing that, by saying, you know, I'm going to just completely change the way I use my smartphone during the season of Lent, maybe beyond. We'll see what happens. I found that I am more present to my children. Uh, we're doing a couple of things to to make that happen, and uh, couldn't do any of it without my darling wife, who uh, is just a saint already. She doesn't need Lent because she's a saint. Uh, we're we're doing we we normally eat fairly late, uh, a late dinner, and we're doing dinner earlier during the season of Lent, uh, so that we can have family time every night afterward. And what family time has ended up looking like is we all sit down on the couch, uh, all of us, all of us sit down on the couch. And uh, it started kind of by accident. I just asked each of the children, what significant happened in your day today? Good or bad, something that stood out to you that a significant moment in your day. And um, we go through each of the children and then we have been doing the readings. We read the readings of the mass readings for the day. Uh, I use ibreverie.com to pull those up and and go through it. And and then we do one decade of the rosary. We ask the kids and and mom and dad share it also. We say, what are your intentions for today? What are the things that you're praying for, for today? And we might spend, gosh, 
five, ten minutes just on that as we talk about everybody's prayer requests. And then we pray one decade of the rosary and bless him and send him to bed. And that whole thing uh, really takes about an hour. And that's a much longer bedtime than we normally do. Uh, but I've just found a great deal of, of peace, um, not having the phone out every moment, but, but rather being there to actually have these extended, protracted conversations with my children. One of the other things that I've told them uh, is that if I'm not in my office, if I'm out in the main room of the house and uh, I'm sitting on the couch or I'm really, if I'm doing anything that I, that's not in my office, that they can come up and say, hey, daddy, I want to go do this with you. And I told them I won't say no. Uh, that I'm going to say whatever they ask to do with me, I'm going to say yes, and we're going to go, and we're going to spend 10 or 15 minutes going and doing that thing. And, you know, for those of you who are out there who are dads who are uh, perfect at this, uh, you do that all the time anyway. But for me, I have become so dependent on this social media connection to the outside world that I have through the, the phone uh, that those moments get lost. Oh, I'll be right there. Uh, son, I'll, I'll come out in a minute. And then, you know, th you get sucked into those things and, and those minutes and moments don't come. And so I'm taking this Lent to say, how can I better reflect the, uh, the fatherhood of God to my children? How can I say uh, that God listens to them if I don't take the time to listen to them? Right? How can I say that God answered their, their prayers and say that prayer is a conversation if dad doesn't really engage in anything other than correction? And so that's what I've been doing this Lent. That's my, my Lenten sacrifice is giving up the phone and replacing it with intentional uh, attention to my children. Uh, and then, of course, I'm also reading through, I've got this great book from Pauline uh, Books called The Enchiridion on the Family. And it's all the different writings on family and life issues from Vatican II, and it says to the present, but it's a, a few years old. So uh, it takes you up through uh, Pope uh, Benedict the, the Sixteenth and some of his writings. And so I'm also spending some time every day and reading uh, 10, 15 pages out of that and, and trying to uh, re-catechize myself uh, a little bit on and really go mining you know, not just recatechize, but go mining for those gems on the family that the church has to offer us, right? So that, for me, is is my Lent. And so far, I mean, we're just a few days into it, and I am really uh, had a hard time that first day, uh, but I'm really enjoying the fruits of this. I, you know, we've done the thing with bedtime uh, where we have done a reading or we've prayed a whole deck, uh, a whole rosary. Or we've we do some such or other, right? Something, but even when we get together and we read a book, like we've gone through um, the the Chronicles of Narnia and some other books like that, where I'll read a chapter a night. But I've noticed that even in those moments, it becomes sit still, listen to the story, don't talk, blah 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 blah, and um, it can become even stressful in and of itself, even as we're sharing this great story and we're sharing family time. I love this, this Lenten thing where we're just sitting down on the couch and talking about what was significant because it's so laid back. There's no opportunity for correction. There's no opportunity for anything other than talking, right? 
Uh, and I wonder if we would all benefit from that. Now, maybe you don't have small children uh, or, or any children and you don't have the ability to do that with your kids. What, what can we do to, to create opportunities for conversation that's just relaxed, that's just about being present and getting to know one another without sharing opinions, without getting into, uh, you know, right and wrong and, uh, you know, correction, catechesis, whatever you want to call it. But we just get into a comfortable dialogue with one another. Uh, really, it's an intimacy builder of, of saying, I'm going to, to hear you and I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to invest in you. And and I know that you're going to do the same for me. Good gracious, what what could we do if we would have that kind of conversation? So I encourage you, if you have the ability to do that, if you have someone with whom you can have that conversation where you could sit down and just talk about the significant things of your day with no rights and no wrongs, just listenings, um, and that's a word because I, I said it over the radio, and so therefore... Uh, it, it's going to be added to the dictionary now. <laughs> what what would our life be like if we just spent the time to be present to one another? So that's my Lent. That's my Lenten practice. That's what I'm uh, starting to get involved with. And uh, I'll give you updates as we go along to see how it goes, to see if we continue spending an hour a day uh, sitting on the couch and doing nothing. Uh, and, you know, we have to pretty much do nothing because we can't do family time with even movies because my my uh, my daughter, who if you ask her what she wants to be when she grows up, she'll tell you very clearly that she's going to be a Catholic sister. Uh, she's seven. <laughs> uh, she gave up movies, and so we can't even do a family movie together because she gave up movies for Lent. And I said, "Well, what are you going to do when everyone else is going upstairs to watch the movie because they're not giving it up?" She's like, "Oh, I'll." I'll go downstairs to the to the Mary Shrine and I'll pray a rosary and a Divine Mercy Chaplet and that'll be enough. So she's putting us all to shame and um, that has made it to where we really have to even more so be intentional. We can't just have that that good old standby, oh, let's, let's do family time together. Let's turn on the television and not pay attention to one another and watch a movie we've seen a million times. How does that sound? So in her own way, just through her spiritual discipline and practice of the faith. She's made the rest of us up our game a little bit, step up and say, okay, well, uh, we're going to have to be really intentional even about how we spend time around one another and be considerate of one another in our own practice of, uh, of this Lenten season. What are you doing for your Lenten fast, your Lenten practice. Why don't you come over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Uh, tag me in it. Tell me what you're doing to, uh, to discipline yourself to grow in the faith this Lenten season. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Mark Shea, author, blogger, speaker, and radio show host on the Breadbox Media Network, talking about his Lenten practice, his experience of the faith during this Lenten season going to be a great conversation. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. 
So glad that you're here today, here as we are uh, tomorrow, I guess, entering into the, the first week of Lent. I know that feels weird because we've been since Ash Wednesday in Lent, and yet if you if you open up the uh, the breviaries, uh, or I always say that wrong, the breviaries, uh, the, the liturgy of the hours, uh, these last few days it's been the, the Thursday, the Friday after Ash Wednesday, and then we get into the first week of Lent starting on that first Sunday. So that, that hits us tomorrow, and we'll, we'll continue on through that season, this penitential season where we, uh, we recognize our own fallenness, we recognize our own weaknesses, and we run to Christ uh, for mercy. So we're talking today with Mark Shea. Uh, he is a, a blogger, an author, and a, a, another host, a show host on Breadbox Media. He uh, is the host of Connecting the Dots every, every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Breadbox Media app. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, happy to be here. Uh, you are out in uh, just off the Puget Sound, and I'm sure that your weather's much better than ours out here. It's just kind of bleak, actually. <laughs> Lately, it's been, this has been the rainiest February, I think, uh, well, in quite a long time. I don't know if it's on record yet, but uh, it's just been gray and everything that you've ever heard about Seattle weather. Uh, very Lenten, really. <laughs> well, everything I've ever heard about Seattle weather comes mainly from the movie Sleepless in Seattle, uh, where where they say it, it rains nine months of the year in Seattle. Yeah, but then they never show it. <laughs> right. It's always sunny in every shot. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's I, I, I'm fond of that movie, actually. <laughs> I'm fond of it because if you know anything about local geography, when she follows him and the kid when they get in their boat mm-hmm. and go off on their boat, she performs prodigies uh, in following them in her car. There's no way in the world that she could have actually done that in a car. But you have to know about Seattle geography to know that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's move on from Seattle geography, as, as uh, enthralling as it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and let's, let's move on to this, this uh, season that the church gives us of Lent, whereas you are examining that movie uh, in, in great detail and seeing all of its flaws. I guess that's what Lent is for us, where we examine ourselves, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and we become aware of our flaws. Uh, talk a little bit about what, Lent, what your Lenten practice looks like. What do you do in the season of Lent to help you prepare for Easter? Well, it varies from year to year. Uh, this year, what I've done is nothing so far. <laughs> Uh, I, and that's really kind of the start of Lent already for me is recognizing that I'm wholly unprepared for it. Um, I just, I've been going flat out doing other things, uh, and then Lent kind of snuck up on me uh, on Ash Wednesday and I thought, yikes, it's Lent. And, um, I don't even, I'm not even prepared to like go get the ashes. What time is mass? I don't even know. (laughs) Right. And so I looked around and it turns out that mass was at nine o'clock in the morning at, at the parish up the street. I, I, during the weekdays, I'll just walk up the street. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I looked at that and I thought, it's Ash Wednesday. Wednesday is when they have all the little kids from the Catholic school that's attached to the parish right. come to mass. So that means there's going to be a million little kids and then it's going to be hurting a million little kids up to receive 
communion and then herding them up to receive ashes. And mass is going to go on too long and I've got too many things to do. So I wound up going to the 5.30 in the evening mass instead because that's how prepared I was for mass. And um, so, you know, what I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in kind of basic stuff because I'm the sort of person where if you, if a priest gives me a penance, mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person that like does the penance but then feels this weird need to like add on to it to make sure that it was sufficient super, enough, right? Sufficient and super penitential. So I'm scrupulous. And so, <laughs> so what I will tend to do as a way of fighting back against that is say, no, stick to the discipline and don't try to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. Well, and, um, and in a sense, when we do that, when we try to add things to it, we're saying, uh, well, that, that mercy was too cheap. And so, uh, I really have to make effort on my own to be worthy of that grace. And so there's a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said for, yeah, we do need to live a disciplined life, but I think where I do the same thing and I'm like, well, I need this to be much more, I need to feel the weight of this. A lot of times that's just me wanting to feel as though uh, I've done enough rather than saying, I really want that relationship with Christ. Right. Right. And and so I think that that's a danger. On the other hand, one of the things that I do try to do is uh, partly because I'm diabetic and partly because I find that it's a it's a good discipline for me. Um, I'm type 2 diabetic, so they say, get out and walk. That's the thing for you, pal. Mm-hmm. So I go and do that a lot. And I, I like doing it because it, I, I like the chance to get out. And it's, you know, as a writer... You spend a lot of time just sitting here on your butt, mm-hmm. and that gets old. And so a chance to get out, I will make excuses for myself to get out. But while I'm doing that, um, I will usually make that my time to say the rosary. And uh, that's my time where I usually get, you know, every day I'll get somebody or other writing me about something, uh, a prayer request, you know. So today somebody wrote and uh, they had, there was a little, little baby girl who had some kind of seizures as they put her in the hospital and their parents were very worried about her. So that's the time that I will go and I'll, I'll say, okay, this decade is going to be for that baby. Mm-hmm. And then the next decade is, you know, I've got a friend who's struggling with depression or, uh, you know, one of my sons is having financial woes or, you know, whatever. Right. And uh, so I'll kind of take that and I'll take each decade and just say, okay, I'm going to make this decade for this person. And a lot of times it will be something appropriate, you know. So um, the other day I was praying for a friend who was depressed. And so I was I was praying uh, the the crowning with thorns. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's kind of an appropriate mystery for somebody who's struggling with literal with with, you know, brain chemistry issues and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's a big part of it for me. Well, is, I, uh, I, I like that that idea because so often we we try to, to simply discipline ourselves, right? Well, I'm going to fast this thing um, so that I get closer to God. And yet I think we neglect others 
um, very often during Lent. And of course, Lent is comprised not only of uh, fasting and prayer, but also of almsgiving, this sense of uh, being charitable, not only monetarily, um, mm-hmm. but with our, with our prayers, with our, mm-hmm. uh, with our attention, mm-hmm. rather than just focused on our own needs, fo- focusing ourselves on the intentions, on the needs of others. I find that that makes prayer and especially fasting much more intelligible to me. The weird thing, and it's always been a weird thing for me about fasting, uh, is here is this thing I'm not doing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like I'm offering God the hole in the donut. You know, it's a, here is a thing I'm not doing. I am not eating right now. It's <laughs> like th- that doesn't feel like I'm doing anything. You know. And um, so the prayer, making the prayer and the fasting for somebody else, then it feels like I'm doing something for somebody. Uh, And a lot of times prayer feels like, and by the way, um, suffering, you know, and this is very Catholic, of course, uh, suffering feels more meaningful when you offer it. Mm-hmm. in union with Christ, that you're carrying somebody else. Um, and, and that makes that makes things more intelligible. And it can be little things or big things. You know, so I was depressed the other day. Uh, part of it, I think, was just getting back from the flu. For some reason, it just kind of sucked the energy out of me. Yeah. I felt last week, it was weird. Last week, just almost any small goodness or act of kindness just made me weepy mm-hmm. and I what's wrong with you you know <laughs> but it was just it was very strange but it was just like I, I, every time somebody did a kind thing or you know there was just a, a tiny amount of compassion shown for somebody I'd read a story about something and it would just make me cry and um, I thought well, man I think you're depressed or something so I thought well I got a friend with depression, so this seems like a good thing to offer. Uh, and I didn't really try to explain it to myself or, or figure it out or why is this happening. Maybe it's, who knows, biochemical because I'm just getting over the flu or maybe, I don't know. So anyway, um, you know, offering those kinds of things, those little bits of suffering. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine, and she was talking about the distinction uh, in nursing uh, which I thought was interesting between pain and suffering. Pain is pain. It's it's it could be physical pain, um, but that's not all that goes into uh, in nursing what you're you're treating because you're treating the whole person. Uh, and with pain and sickness uh, goes the much larger phenomenon of suffering, of the loss of dignity, of the embarrassment of having somebody take care of you. Uh, of all of those sorts of things. And so offering all of that can be a good thing. When we come back, I want to explore that a little bit more fully, this idea of offering ourselves and our suffering up for others. We're talking with Mark Shea today. He is an author, a blogger, speaker, a radio show host here on the Breadbox Media Network. And if you were listening real carefully, you know that all you have to do to make Mark Shea cry this week is to be nice to someone. So go be nice to someone and make Mark Shea cry. (laughs) (laughs) so join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on twitter the handle is at outside the walls and we'll be right back
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you're here, here in this, uh, starting tomorrow, the first week of Lent. We're coming at the end of this half week that we've been in between Ash Wednesday and this first Sunday of Lent. Uh, And so here we are trying to get our hands and our heads around what this season looks like. What is the purpose of our fasting? Uh, What are we even trying to prepare for as we approach Easter? And we're talking today with Mark Shea, blogger, author, speaker, and radio show host here on the Breadbox Media Network. Right before the break, we were talking about uh, offering up our sufferings. And that's something that, that we hear a lot. You hear it almost uh, sometimes as someone offering you some good advice, and most of the time as uh, like a parent telling you to suck it up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about what is it? What are the steps other than just saying, okay, I'm suffering and I am supposed to somehow offer this somewhere, uh, apparently up? Um, mm-hmm. how, how do we begin uh, to offer our sufferings for the sake of someone else? Uh, yeah. And, and, is there any other context in which that occurs? When I think about offering things up, I don't think of it so much as a thing that I'm doing. Like there's some magic ritual or something that I have to do. Um, as believers in grace, what we believe uh, is that God is the one who crosses the space between us uh, rather than us doing it. You know, we're Hamlet. We cannot step out of the play and go meet Shakespeare. If we're going to meet Shakespeare, Shakespeare has to write himself into the play. Right. And that's what's really going on. And that's what we believe, in fact, happened in the incarnation is that the divine Shakespeare wrote himself into the play. And so when I think about offering things up, I don't think of it as some kind of psychological state that I have to put myself into. Uh, I think of it more as, you know, Christ is sitting right here next to me and whatever's going on right now, as it happens today and for the last week or two weeks now, I've had this lingering cough. You've probably been noticing that throughout the show. And the thing about it is it's not like a big deal. This is not a life-threatening problem, but it just kind of sucks the life out of you. Mm. You're just exhausted by the end of the day just because you've been coughing this stupid cough. So that's what I've got today. So I turn to Jesus, who's who's not uh, far away. He's just sitting next to me. And I say, you know, today I've got this stupid sucky cough. Um, It's not much, but you bore our sins and infirmities, including undoubtedly at some point in your life, having a lingering cough for a while because like us in all things except sin. Um, here's my cough. It's not much, but I'm offering this. Um, and I'll usually try to think of somebody that I want to offer it for. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, my wife who also has a lingering <laughs> cough and is miserable, you know, and, uh, that's a way of giving. Uh, so that's, yeah, as you mentioned, that's a form of almsgiving. Of, uh, when, when we talk about almsgiving, uh, and we, especially when Jesus talks about almsgiving, um, Jesus has no category for the deserving poor, as though there are undeserving poor. His advice on almsgiving is radical. Uh, give to anyone who asks, mm-hmm. period. Um, this is radically 
countercultural in the United States. Right. Uh, uh, but that's really, that's his advice. And not as advice, it's as a command. Give to anybody who asks, you know. Um, there was a... Francis just the other day was talking about almsgiving and he's and he basically said don't you know when when people ask you just give to them mm-hmm. well, and and in some way as you were talking about offering it up in some way every time you cough as you have now offered that to Christ you it brings mm-hmm. it back to mind what you're offering that for and so it puts <laughs> right. your thoughts back on that person and it externalizes right. rather right. than internalizes your mystery and it allows you uh, to do what Paul says, which is offer your body a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. um, which is, he says, your spiritual worship. That's what your worship is, uh, is when you offer your body. My body is a sick one right now, so I'll offer that. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We're talking about Lenten practice, how we use the season of Lent to prepare our hearts for Easter. So what does your Lenten practice look like? It's always weird talking about, for me, talking about Lenten practice, because it's like, here are all the things that I am doing that make me the massively humble and saintly person that I am. It always feels weird to me, you know? So uh, one of the nice things, one of the things that I like about being Catholic is that Lent is a corporate experience. Um, So it's like... How should I put uh, it? It's saying I'm observing Lent is like, it's kind of like saying I got my driver's license. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, okay, when you're 17, (laughs) that's good for you, you know? And if if it was like the first time that I had observed Lent, uh, which happened in 1987 as I was looking at becoming Catholic, I started paying attention to things like the fasts and the feasts Mm -hmm. of the church and trying to observe them, then, you know, good for you, Mark. Pat on the head from (laughs) Catholics, you know. But by the time you've been Catholic for 30 years, it's like, okay, you know, you're doing what all Catholics are supposed to do. Do Is that you want a reward for that? Because you're not going to get one. So what what you're saying is uh, you're you're observing Lent, so you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So what big deal? Where's what's the reward of that? And that's of course not why we do Lent. This is you know this is what we're reminded of yesterday, or I'm sorry, not yesterday, um, on Wednesday, in the um, in the readings that you know when you when you pray, right? Go in your closet. Don't tell people about it because you're not a hero. And, uh, you know, when you when you give alms, make sure that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing and, and so on and so forth. So when we talk about these things, you know, we're talking about them. This is sort of Catholic shop talk. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you Catholic well? Well, that's how you do it. Um, well, so I think that's, you... that's the big thing there. How do you Catholic well? You know, we all do right. Lent. But I think so, you know, you get the joke. What are you giving up for Lent? Oh, I'm giving up, giving up things, right? (laughs) People are so uh, comfortable with the idea of Lent that I think that we've forgotten the work that we have to do during Lent as well. Right. I've always liked Lent because, and it's, this is kind of a gift that was given to me gratuitously. Um, I like Lent because it's always been associated in my mind with an experience that I went through years before I was Catholic. 
Um, when I was oh, back in the early 80s, I joined the church in 1987, but back in the early 80s, um, I lost a job. And at the same time as I lost the job, I was also uh, lost the house that I was living in. So I wound up like living on a friend's couch for, you know, a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And that experience for me was surprising because I figured it would be terrifying. But what I found instead was that it was a time when I was just kind of thrown into without so much as a buy your leave, God just kind of threw me into an involuntary Franciscan lifestyle (laughs) where I discovered that the whole Franciscan thing was really pretty good. There was something very freeing about not being sure what was going to happen to you next because now you're completely relying on God. Um, and, and it turned out that he came through. Mm-hmm. And so I, I came out of that experience long before I was Catholic with this recognition that there was something really great about um, handing your poverty over to God and saying, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. So I need you to see me through this because I got nothing. And so when I actually discovered, I had never heard of Lent at that point. Didn't know anything about it. I was part of a little non-denom evangelical church. We didn't observe any of the feasts and fasts except for Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I became, started looking at the Catholic Church, the just by dumb luck, that period of time when I was kicked out of my house and out of work was the same time of year as Lent. And so the the weather and the climate and everything, you know how how times of year will evoke memories for right. you. Absolutely. All of that came back to me when I started uh, paying attention to things like Lent. And so I always had good associations with Lent because it always took me back to that period of my life. <clears throat> and it still does today. So I've got kind of a leg up in observing Lent because I always think about that period and, and uh, I think, yeah, I like I like the astringency of Lent. I like the um, this is is supposed to be a time of poverty and that's fine and you're not going to get everything that you want when you want it. But remember what it was like mm-hmm. when you were kicked out of your job and you lost your place where you lived. You know, that wasn't so bad, was it? I thought, no, it wasn't. So that helps. Uh, and I, um, so I think of St. Francis and it, I'm no, believe me, I'm no St. Francis, but I get the, I, I got the, the poverty thing, right. uh, and the appreciation for it. Um, so that's one thing that I appreciate about that. We've been talking today with Mark Shea, author, blogger, speaker, and radio show host here on the Breadbox Media Network. Uh, You can find out more about his books and his speaking availability over at his website, mark-shea.com. We'll put a link to that over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Don't go anywhere. There's still much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. I'm so glad that you're here talking about our Lenten practices uh, as we prepare for, uh, for Christ to come. Going back to that old, uh, what's traditionally known as a Christmas carol, uh, Joy to the World, which is really an Advent carol. And we're talking about the, the second coming of Christ there. And it says, let every heart prepare him room. And that's really what this Lenten season is about, is looking around the, the corners of our heart and seeing those things within us that, that are kind of crowding Christ out and, uh, and doing a little bit of house cleaning. Let every heart prepare him room. So we had a great conversation just now with Mark Shea. He's an author of just some amazing books, uh, Mary, Mother of the Son, By What Authority, uh, and, and many, many more. You can find those over at mark-shea.com. Uh, also, he's a blogger over on the Pathios Network. He is a, a speaker. He'll travel to wherever you are, come and give a, a, a parish mission or just even a single event at your church uh, or or other event. And then also, uh, he is a radio show host on the Breadbox Media Network and uh, just an all-around amazing guy. Now, a lot of people only know Mark Shea through social media. And if you only know Mark Shea through social media, then you don't know Mark Shea. Uh, Because everyone has a persona. Everyone has a certain way of interacting with certain places. You know, when you go home for a family reunion, all of a sudden you, you revert back into those ways that you were... Uh, within the family of origin. And that's not necessarily how you are everywhere. And uh, so I want to encourage you, if you have a very specific opinion about Mark Shea, I want to encourage you, go pick up one of his books. Go pick up uh, specifically, Mary, of Mother of the Son. It's just a fabulous work. It started out as three different books. Now it's all uh, all in one volume. Uh, it's a substantial work and it's just really excellent. Uh, and so if you missed any part of the show, if you if you want to share it with someone, because they will never believe that there was a whole show with Mark Shea and politics didn't come up, right? If you, if you, uh, if that would surprise them, then by all means send them, it's going to be archived just, just about as soon as the show's done, it'll be archived over at outside the walls.com. And, uh, you can share it. You can prove it to them because, Hey, this has been recorded for quality assurance. So, uh, there at Outside the Walls, you can, outsidethewalls.com, you can find all of the archives. You can find uh, our our blog. I have a blog over the Pathios Network as well. And you can become a friend of the show. Now, what's a friend of the show? A friend of the show is someone who loves the work we're doing here. They're, they're just uh, always impressed by the caliber of guests, as I am, because I can't believe these people all want to come on the show. Uh, but here, here we have them. We've got just the just high-quality Catholic authors, priests, apostolate directors, and so forth coming on and, and talking to us about the implications of our faith. Uh, so you, you love this show, and you want to see it succeed, and you want to see it continue, and you want to be a part of it. All you got to do is go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click Become a Friend of the Show, and uh, follow the directions. And for as little as $10 a month, that is just one good pound of coffee per month. Uh, You can become eligible for a whole bunch of book giveaways and much more. Extra content, lots of fun stuff, a super secret section on Facebook where we can have just all kinds of fun conversations about really whatever you want to talk about. And of course, that 
can all be yours just by going to OutsideTheWalls.com and becoming a friend of the show. Now, this past Wednesday, we all went to church. Uh, we had the, the priest put ashes on our head, ashes, that, that symbol in the Old Testament of repentance, right? That person who would sit in the dust wearing sackcloth and put ashes on their head. Uh, we went to the church and the priest or the deacon or, or some extraordinary minister came and they put, they put ashes on our forehead to say, hey, guess what? Uh, you're in repentance mode right now. You, uh, you are going to die, right? That's one of the things they say is, remember, man, that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. They also say, repent and believe the gospel, or uh, a couple of other approved phrases. And so here we are, we are entering this season where we are reminded that this is a, this is a short journey. This, this whole journey of life is temporary, and we have an eternal destination. And so we spend this time examining our hearts, looking at our relationship with God, and realizing that God and only God can, uh, can bring us to a place where we could ever enter his heaven. And so the church gives us these readings and reminders that we need to be relying on the grace of God. So let's take a look first at the Responsorial Psalm for today. And this psalm, like so many others, uh, can double for us as a prayer that we can enter into and, and offer to God. And it says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Incline your ear, O Lord, answer me, for I am afflicted and poor. Keep my life, for I am devoted to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for to you I call all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in kindness to all who call upon you. Hearken, O Lord, to hear my prayer and attend to the sound of my pleading. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Today's reading from church history comes from Against Heresies by St. Irenaeus, bishop and martyr. Our Lord, the Word of God, first drew men to God as servants, but later he freed those made subject to him. He himself testified to this, I do not call you servants any longer, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I call you friends, since I have made known to you everything that I have learned from my Father. Friendship with God brings the gift of immortality to those who accept it. In the beginning, God created Adam, not because he needed man, but because he wanted to have someone on whom to bestow his blessings. Not only before Adam, but also before all creation, the Word was glorifying the Father in whom he dwelt, and was himself being glorified by the Father. The Word himself said, Father, glorify me with that glory I had with you before the world was. Nor did the Lord need our service. He commanded us to follow him, but his was the gift of salvation. To follow the Savior is to share in salvation, 
To follow the light is to enjoy the light. Those who are in the light do not illuminate the light, but are themselves illuminated and enlightened by the light. They add nothing to the light. Rather, they are beneficiaries, for they are enlightened by the light. The same is true of service to God. It adds nothing to God, nor does God need the service of man. Rather, he gives life and immortality and eternal glory to those who follow and serve him. He confers a benefit on his servants in return for their service, and on his followers in return for their loyalty. But he receives no benefit from them. He is rich, perfect, and in need of nothing. The reason why God requires service from man is this, because he is good and merciful. He desires to confer benefits on those who persevere in his service. In proportion to God's needs of nothing is man's need for communion with God. This is the glory of man, to persevere and remain in the service of God. For this reason, the Lord told his disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you. He meant that his disciples did not glorify him by following him, but in following the Son of God, they were glorified by him. As he said, I wish that where I am, they may also be, that they may see my glory. That reading comes from uh, the Treatise Against Heresies by St. Irenaeus. And how important, and Mark touched on this a little bit earlier, how important that is for us to realize that the Lenten practice, the fasting that we do, even the offering of our sufferings, is not something that we do for God that somehow God benefits from, but rather that we benefit from God in doing that. Uh, just look, thinking for a moment on that offering it up moment, that in our sufferings we have that choice to offer it up or to not offer it up. And what does offering it up do for God? Nothing. But what does it do for us? Well, it focuses us on Christ. It focuses us externally on the needs of someone else. It focuses us away from our pain, where we would sit and complain and really see nothing else except for that pain. And it lets us see the glory of God. It lets us see that God could be glorified because we are glorified in him, right? This is true of really all of our Lenten practice. It's true for the time that we spend in Scripture. It's true of the, the work that we do for justice. It's true as we go and participate in Mass because God needs nothing from us, but he longs for us to be in relationship with him that we would be glorified through that relationship, that we could experience the fullness of the glory of God as he created us to experience. That's all the time we have for today, but go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, look us up, find, uh, find the archives, find the blog, and uh, interact with us over on social media, facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle is at OutsideTheWalls. Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Radio and Bridbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.